You are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Hope. And this is the Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people to hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that and like you right now. So be encouraged. And let your light shine. I just sound bad in general right now. That's I'm fine. here with the sickies. <laughs> like a poor, poor man's Kirstie <laughs> Alley. true. Like, <laughs> yeah, you need a and mask. About 19 other <laughs> vitamins. <laughs> I haven't, you haven't been sick? No, God. I haven't. Knock on yes, the wood. I had so shingles, so which was worse than being sick. Oh, yeah. How's that going? That's, it's gone, but... <laughs> also, I hope. I don't think we've actually met. No, I'm okay. Carla. Is, have you been here long? I mean... Oh, I'm, yeah, I was going to ask I've you that. I've been How coming long have you here, been here since... The Blakemans came. We okay. were all at Rush. They came, and then I just followed them because I'm, my daughter is... Do you know the Blakemans? I do. Sarah and Brad. Mm-hmm. Their son, Chase, married my daughter, Bailey. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm connecting the dots. Yeah. Okay. So um, has it been two years I, I think more? maybe. Where do you I sit? I think maybe two you years. Where you... Well, I was sitting on the far side. She moves toward around. The back, but okay. now I follow them. They're all like, they go over there, so I go over there. I feel so like I half be... the church I don't even see. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Aren't you on the right side? Because you look familiar. The right side, right yes. Middle. My husband's very tall. Yeah, right in the middle. I he think. Many children. <laughs> <laughs> so you probably I think I have seen you. Watch me swiftly exit with my one of my yeah, children. <laughs> you guys are so quick. Like, stop making noise. How many do you have? Four. Oh, wow. Oh, are they all little? Fun. Six, four, two, and almost one. And did two of them hug in the in the aisle? This past Sunday. Oh, maybe. If, it if was the, so if the stars cute aligned, if it's maybe. Them. Are they like blonde? Yeah. I bet it was. Oh. Because we all looked at each other like, oh, look at that. I mean, it was so cute. Oh, well, that's sweet. If, if it was them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so You're shocked. <laughs> it was so cute. Doesn't happen often. But. <clears throat> Do you pronounce your name McCandless? Uh huh. I thought it was McCandles. That's what people I, I call my daughter at school. <laughs> they called her that. She put yeah. it on like a jersey one time. And I was like, that's not her name. Oh, McCandles. McCandless. <laughs> McCandles. Welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. It's been a while. It sure has. I'm Beth. I'm Hope. <laughs> and tonight we are blessed with the presence of Miss Carla McCandless. Welcome to the podcast studio, Carla. Thank you. Glad to have you here. Thank you. Carla was born in East Liverpool, Ohio. She was raised in Hooktown, PA, home of Peter Pan. She was a Southside area graduate and went to several colleges, West Virginia University, Penn State, and Eastern Connecticut University. Three colleges before she graduated from Geneva College as a non-traditional student. She married her, Carla married her middle school crush. They didn't get married in middle school, but they met (laughs) up later in life. She got married in 1995. They are the proud parents of Bailey Blakeman. Unfortunately, they divorced in 2008, but Carla went back to school. She's been teaching in the Montessori preschool, private school for 10 years, and just recently in 2018 went to a public Montessori preschool teaching three to six-year-olds in Cleveland, Ohio. She loves long walks, likes to read, bike, a little gardening, 
Flowers or vegetables? Vegetables. Ooh, what do you grow? Oh, I just love to grow like tomatoes and <gasps> green peppers. And I had a tomato plants this year and they were so high maintenance. They are. I don't know. I just love to have my own homegrown they tomatoes. They wanted water like three times a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And because I'm a teacher and I'm off in the summer, I can go out you, there yeah. and do that. Yeah. That's nice. Well, I thought I wanted to be a salsa mom gardener and I don't now that I tried it for you. <laughs> I'll stick to it's my flowers. Yeah. She came to the upper room with the Blake bins in... But I think it's been two years, so we could... About two years ago. Mm-hmm. It was after COVID. She came to the <clears throat> upper room. She followed Sarah and Brad Blakeman, who are her daughter's in-laws. In October of 22, she got bad news that she had ovarian cancer, which spread to the abdomen. She had surgery, went through chemo, and praise the Lord that she has been healed and is in remission, and she's claiming totally healed. So thanks for coming in today, Carla. So tell us, who or what turned your light on? Well, I grew up in church when I was younger. You know, my mom, she was a born-again Christian, so we went to church all the time. You know, I was fell in love with Jesus young, but then... I grew up a little bit and started going out into the world and everything, you know, just fell away. Not completely ever, not ever really completely away, always praying or talking to God somehow, but didn't really want to go to church and things like that. When I went to Penn State, okay, so I was at WVU, decided I was in communications and I was trying to do some psychology and stuff like that. Then I decided to go to Penn State because I had a boyfriend who graduated and he wanted to go. I mean, that's where he was going to go to actually work as an engineer. I was like, well, I'll just finish my degree at Penn State, follow him up there. We were pretty serious at the time. So when I got there and started working and going to school, I met someone else. And this guy, his name was John. Like, I believe he was my person. You know, like I said, I was like 22. A a lot of us went out, went hiking, and he fell and he was killed. It was such a traumatic situation for me. It actually kind of took me out of the ball game for like a year. I had to, I went up to Connecticut and lived with my brother and his wife and just kind of like tried to survive for a while. The trauma of that took me a long time to sort of recover from that, if you ever really do. It was horrible. After that, I sort of got things together. I started to actually realize how protected I was. I know later you're going to ask me about a supernatural situation. So with that situation, you know, I was depressed, upset, all that kind of stuff, and just kind of trying to get through. I went down, back down to State College PA because that's where, you know, I lost him and was just, I look back and I think, oh my gosh, that seems so ridiculous that I was behaving that way. But it's like, I went there and I drove to the place, which is out in Belfont, PA. There's this huge, it used to be a mining place that I guess fell in years and years ago, but we had gone out there on this big hike, three or four of us. The guys we're trying to like throw things in so we could hear how far it was to the bottom. And whenever he threw it, he had skipped, tripped and went right straight down. And it was like three football fields deep. They had to come and repel. There were no cell phones and we were miles away and my car keys were in his pocket. For some reason, I was like, oh, I just, you know, I had to go back there. Well, it was all taped off from police. And when I was sitting there debating about just walking back there to where we were, all of a sudden there was this little boy that came up on a bicycle and he's riding around on a bicycle. I think he'd be like eight or 10. 
And I uh, had my window down and I look, uh, and he's like, hey, what are you doing? And I was like, what are you doing? Where are you coming from? Because actually that night that that happened, John's brother had to run miles to find a house to call. I mean, it was like daylight for a long time before anyone ever even came back. So I was, where's your house? Like, what are you doing here on a bike? And he talked to me and kind of convinced me not to go not to walk back through there. And I mean, after the fact, when I was driving home, I'm like, was there, was that really a kid out of nowhere? But he was a young boy and he was saying, you know, you can't because the police have that all. And I go, well, why are you riding your bike up here, you know? And he's like, well, I, I live down there. I'm allowed to ride up and just a nice little boy. Point is, I know that was an angel. I didn't go back. I didn't walk back there. Had I, literally, I found out like, because we had gone back at night and we were all hiking back. There were times when I could feel like absolutely nothing next to me. I didn't know, I had never been out there before. I mean, just being as upset as I was, you know, I'm just saying, I know that was an angel. And from that time on, I was just, I had a huge relief, even though I was still, I mourned John and everything. I just, I knew it was okay. Everything was gonna be okay. That's a couple, kind of a lot I just put out there, but I'm just saying. Well, keep going. What happened after that? Well, I mean, I just went back. I went back to my place, and at the time, I had already moved up to Connecticut. I don't know how long they kept the the police ropes up. Really, my whole sense of time during that time, I'm not sure, because I know I couldn't really do anything. And I'll just tell you another little miracle that happened then. My roommate, my friend Laura and I, we lived right next door to John and Rich. Rich was John's brother. We lived in this, it was like college housing. And I couldn't work. I had been waitressing and bartending at this Toft Trees restaurant, which was like a nice place, to pay my rent, which was like $300 or something. It was like a lot. I literally couldn't work. So for, it was like, say at the beginning of the semester, and again, I can't tell you how many months, but at least two or three. I barely, maybe I went in one, maybe I went in again, but I just kind of couldn't. So I was worried. And I said to my friend, Laura, I'm like, you know, I don't know if you're, how much you can pay for this because I'm not paying rent. And I did not pay rent for at least six months. So we go there to sort of, we're done. I'm leaving, moving out of here and everything. The company was just like, okay. And I was like, well, we're turning in our keys and, you know, are we going to get our, I didn't even say about security deposit, but she did. And they're like, no, we're selling this whole situation. We're not giving back security deposits and all this. I literally didn't have to pay anything and I wasn't charged. And like, they just acted like nothing. I just walked Hmm. away shaking my head. I thought I was going to be, I don't know. I know, I'm just kind of getting in the moment about that because that was, to me, another. Like, Jesus has always been there. You know that that song that with Dolly Parton and Zach Williams, There Was Jesus? The first time I ever heard that song, I just think back about my whole life and how he was just there. It had to be Jesus. It just had to, protecting me. My mom is always, my family, just praising him and making sure I'm protected. So I don't know, it's just... So after that experience with John and you seeing his provision and his hand on your life, how did your life change? Well, 
I mean, it did to a point where, like, I stopped doing a lot of things that I normally did. But, I mean, I didn't do 110 turnaround until much later in my life. I kept, I love Jesus, and thank God for everything. Like, I would say all the things and kind of be just talking to Him more and things like that, but I don't know how much my life reflected it, other than, you know, people saying that I'm nice and stuff like, you know, you're so nice. I mean, I always really looked for places to give, whatever, money, you know, food, anything I possibly could, those kinds of things. I don't think it really did until I actually had Bailey because the birth of Bailey, which I was like 36, you know, I didn't have any problems. It was like he said I was going to have her on the 28th and I had her. Everything started on the 28th and I had her on the 29th. I had no problems. I had no medication. I was like, I'm just going to do this and I'm going to be so strong and all that stuff. Just the miracle of her. And then I was just, oh my gosh. I was. I, that's when I was truly like kind of on fire for him. I was, look at this baby and can you believe it? It was just so unbelievable. Beautiful. So I just always wanted to, you know, we we went to church, I dedicated her, like that probably lent itself a lot to my divorce because I was just so caught up with her and he was so caught up with the world. I tried to get him to come along with me and Jesus and the baby and all that kind of stuff, but it just didn't work out that way. So <sighs> I know that's a lot, but it's just I, just, I just love Jesus a lot. And so I do try to tell people like where I'm working and, but I don't give my testimony a lot because I get so like emotional and caught up in it and everything. It's just, it's amazing to me. I probably already answered some of your questions. Hey, that's all right. Like, <laughs> what lights you up? So in life, I know I said about the Montessori method. It's, it touched my heart because, okay, so I took Bailey, my daughter, I was like looking for the best thing and always Sunday school and all the things, VBS and everything I possibly could in, in those directions. But I found out about this Montessori method because my sister-in-law was a math teacher and my brother is like, he's like physics and, you know, he's beyond and all this math and they're all super smart and they're always trying to find the best thing for their kids, which they have three, my only niece and two nephews. You know, they built in South Range and they liked that for a public school, but they had all gone to a Montessori school. There's a private one. In like Poland, isn't yeah. it? Yes. Okay, yeah. I've looked into that before. Yes. yes. And that's where I taught for like oh, 10 wait. years. Okay. Mm -hmm. From 2006 to 2016. Because my daughter, born 2000, so she was 2005 when she went there for kindergarten. But in Lisbon, Lisbon, Ohio, there's a little, really nice little Montessori that was... I knew that. Yeah, it's, it was really close to where we lived, right off of Main Street. Anyway, she had started there at three because that's time and they want you to go for five days and everything. But just in the morning, it wasn't like all day. When she went there, I started like, wow, this is really cool. Like hands-on, everything's... Uh, all the materials, because now that I'm trained and I know all about it, but at the time I was just, this is really cool because it's all like freedom within limits. Mm. The teacher will give the lesson based on the child's development. You have to sit and observe like a scientist, take a lot of notes about the child. So you pay attention to each one, very detailed. 
you could see how the children love to do it. And the whole the whole thing, the goal is basically to get your children to love to learn. Love to learn and then you want to learn for life. From three to six, that's their basic time for absorption and all the stuff. And they love having their freedom. They can actually go and do that work by themselves. Nobody says, get that out and do it or put that away or anything like that. They can work as long as they want and it builds their concentration and titian is so good for their brain and like all this stuff. As I was learning about it, by the time she was going to go to kindergarten, they only went from three to five, I guess. And then that was it. You just go to public school or something. But I found the Montessori in Poland that goes up to eighth grade. You know, I was a single mom, not making much money. So I thought, well, I better, you know, check into it. And because I loved it, I went ahead and got trained and then they paid for my training and then I could work there for three years and sort of pay it back. Amazing. So that's what I did. I love that. It was excellent. Yeah, and I loved it. And I loved developing the classroom. And what was the transition for her when she went from eighth grade Montessori to public high school? Right. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. You would not believe it because that is one of the main questions from parents. She went there confident because it builds so much confidence. Like you can just about anything you want to do as you get older, like seventh and eighth grade, she would do, she had Latin and different things like that in this private school with like, she had like six kids in her class because as they get older, you know, people want to go do athletics and things like that. And people like move out, but say she wanted to do a research project. Well, she has to learn literature or whatever. She could choose the research project, something she's interested in. And then she could do as many like overheads or PowerPoints as she wanted. I'm telling you the way it translates. She went to public school and she would come home and she would go, this bummed me out. She would come home and say like, mom, we only have to learn this much. We only have to learn this for the test. And I would be like, you can learn as much as you want to learn. Are you kidding me? Like, because that's the premise in Mm. Montessori. You don't just have to learn for the test, but that's what public school is telling us. And I'm in public school now, so (laughs) I don't mean to like diss it for teachers and things like that. Yeah. So when my daughter went to South Range, she was pretty excellent student, but your normal average student. But they all thought she was a genius because she was so far ahead. She knew all this geometry and all this stuff that they don't just teach like that. Anyway, so that's my big big thing about it. I've never known anyone who's gone through that program or anything or worked in it. So that's really cool. You can see why I just love it. I know a lot of parents are like, oh, it's so willy-nilly tree huggers and all that stuff. And I'm like, it's really not. It's very structured, but it's hard to explain unless someone's really interested or they're trying to have their kid come. So in 2018, you decided to make the switch from a private to public school and not just any public school. You're commuting to Cleveland in the urban setting. Yeah. Tell us about that. That's kind of a twofold thing. Like I said, and I believe that God was saying, okay, you need to use your privilege. You need to use your privilege somehow because we're so privileged. And my niece called me up one day out of nowhere and she's like, do you know that Stonebrook Montessori up in Cleveland, they're hiring primary teachers? And I was like, no, why would I ever think about going to Cleveland? Like that would never occur. And not to mention the fact that like whether I have a teaching degree or not, the Montessori credential, I can teach anywhere in the entire world. 
if I could speak the languages, or sometimes if not, if they just want you to be an English teacher, they're all over the world. And they're very much in Europe and all kinds of places that are beautiful that I might love to go. (laughs) I'm like, why don't I go there and teach, you know? I was like, Cleveland? Anyway, she said she was moving back from New York, and she had been a teacher there. And she's interested in the Montessori thing. And she's like, well, we could both go. And she lived in Greenford. And she's like, we could just commute. It would be no big deal. And I'm like, well, that's true. So we went up and checked it out. And it was this beautiful place. They had renovated it. It used to be like a a nursing home. And they did this architecture on it. It's just gorgeous. But it's in East Cleveland, in Glenville, which is a very, like a not good area. Trendy and oh, stuff yeah, like Tremont's that. really cute. Yeah. Which is the school I'm at now is oh. Tremont Montessori. It's oh. right in Tremont. Fun. But I was there for four years and this is my first year over at Tremont. Really as far as public schools like that, like there's a few in Pittsburgh and a few in Cleveland. They're just coming on the map like that because it's really hard to do that. But anyway, so if kids are in public Montessori, is it just the parents prefer that? First of all, it's free as opposed to $15,000, you know, or I think they, it was even 8000 at one time at my old school, but Cleveland is like an umbrella and it gives you choice so people can pick. Parents will come there because they think it's a really smart school or but they honestly don't, I'm just saying they really don't know exactly what it is. Most don't. I mean, I do have a few parents that, you know, know something about it. I'm always like, we need parent education to help them because if they do things we're doing at home, then it helps them at school and everything. But anyway, once I got there in East Cleveland, and I was very shocked and very like, oh my gosh, what did I get into? There's so much trauma. There's so mm. much trauma. There's like screaming going on in the hallways. Oh, and, no. And now, now I'm, I understand, and I'm way more used to it. But like that first year, I was just like, what did I get into? This is so crazy. People laying on the floor crying, and it's just so sad. And I'm, it's a whole different world. So I do feel like, I feel like that's really where I should be. I should be lending myself to all of that. Like I've helped some parents and grandparents, and it feels really like it's a need. But it is hard. It's just, it's really hard. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to get to the teaching point when you have to get over the trauma. You have to get them, you may know, just to even trust you before they're ready to learn. That's another reason why I think the Montessori thing is a good thing for that area, if people could get more on board with it, is because they have these works that they can just get their hands on for the early childhood. Just get your hands on, I'm gonna show you how to do it. And then all the materials have a control of error, a self-correction. So if you're sitting there by yourself working on this, you can look at it and figure out it's not right for math works and different things like that. It's really kind of a genius kind of thing, I feel like. You can tell that the work regulates a lot of the children. Like, it actually just regulates them. So I don't know that I would be doing this if I were a traditional teacher, just trying to to get their attention and talking to them and stuff. Like, that wouldn't be anything I would be interested in. The school that you're at now, is it also just up through eighth grade? Yeah. Is there a reason they don't do high school Montessori? They have some, but they're so expensive. Mm. And really the high school Montessori part, and I don't really know why enough to explain, but they always do these farm schools. So that usually, like there was a Montessori high school in Cleveland that closed because kids had to board there. 
It's like about <gasps> being responsible sure. and like you have to maybe on the farm raise the chickens and take care of everything and I mean, people are learning to knit and they're sitting around knitting and they do their work at different times. And it's, it's very like higher education, but you're working all the time too, you know? Yeah. Sounds like my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I do. We're I doing do. Montessori high school. Yeah. Not on the you golf to course work. today. <laughs> yeah. It's a responsibility. That's it's, great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. So are you allowed to, like, how much freedom do you have in your classroom to share Jesus? That's the other thing I was going to say. This community, they uh, love the Lord. I mean, we do have some Muslim and some Jehovah Witnesses and different things like that throughout the school, but not in my classroom. Is They all love Jesus. And it was the same way over at East, over at Stonebrook. Someone will say something because they hear their parents saying it like, I don't know, like it doesn't, I want to say, oh, Jesus or something like that, but they're not saying it in a slang way. And I'm like, yes, I love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? You go to church? I go to church. Like, I have never had a trouble at all. And I'm always like, wonder why? Like, I know I can't, I can't just teach it. So around Christmas, Montessori, like, doesn't specifically, they don't just do Christmas. We don't do birthdays. We don't do any of that. It's just like, if we talk about the birthday We have the child carry the earth around the sun one year for every time of their life. You know, the earth goes around the sun and we sing it and we try to explain how that works. It's all about that kind of what really happens. And so we are allowed to talk about all the religions. So I will say, who you know, who in the class, like, or I'll talk to the parents, you know, what kind of traditions do you have at home and all that kind of stuff. Jesus is always one of them because the majority are doing Christmas. And I'll say, oh, because Jesus was born or are you just talking Santa Claus or, you know, mm-hmm. what do you... So I have this one little girl, I just have to say, her name's Hosanna. And when she said that, I was like, I love that song. Your name is a song that I love. And I'm like saying this stuff and she's like, "Uh uh-huh, we sing it at church. And I was like, you do? So then I would talk to her mom. And then I talked to her mom in front of these other parents. We're allowed to talk about this Mm. because the parent is talking to me about it too. So I just keep putting it out there and putting it out there. and, And I always ask every day, like, Jesus, just come in the classroom with me. And the other thing about driving that far, so it's an hour and 10 minutes, and that is my praise and worship, my music, I talk to God, I get myself all ready. On so, the way home, do you sit in silence? I know. <laughs> yes, on the way home, I'm like, okay, I'm done. It could be like all <laughs> repentance time. Yes. All gone home. I'm done now. And then on the way home, it's- this will be silence. It is. <laughs> it is. I mean, it does get monotonous, the drive, but not from that morning. And then when people say it to me, they'll say, you know, oh my gosh, I can't believe you had to drive in. And I go, oh my gosh, that's my, that's when I get to listen and praise Jesus. Like, I'll say that. And they're like, okay. You know, (laughs) that face like, you're crazy. And I'm like, oh, that's what I like to do. So I get to put it out there in little bits and ways, which is maybe why God's keeping me there. That is my question. Should I be there still? Should I keep going? Like, this is my fifth year. And I did have a teacher friend that said, stay with me anytime you want. So I did. I have stayed with her. Like, when I was going through chemo and everything, I just so tired that I would stay there. But um, And she still has welcomed me. But I'm, I'm just not right now. I'm just driving back and forth. But all these barriers or something keep, always pop up. For you to leave? Yeah. I kind of feel like that. And then I'm like, God, do you want me there or not? Because all this extra work I have to do and... 
Anyhow, then they looked at my coursework. I had to take four graduate level courses in the summer and I got A's on all of them. I was all like, yay, I'm so glad because I worked all summer. They looked at my coursework and they said, we're not going to accept it. ODE, Ohio Department of Education. So now I had to pay for at least two more classes. We're trying to appeal the two other classes. It's a whole big thing. And I've made that point. Like I've tried to grieve it and all this kind of stuff. You know, I just have to wait and see. He'll but direct I, you where you yeah. have yes. to go. Yes. yes. I'm trying to and just also trust. provide for you. That is true. And he has so far. You know, I'm okay. Just one of those things, like you pray about it. Like I was going to come up to you whenever we had prayer time, and I was going to, I started to, but there were so many people wanted to have you praying for them. I went to other people. They were all full. Like everyone wanted prayer. <laughs> you know, I just want the right direction, make sure I'm hearing him. Do you have any any more supernatural stories that you'd like to share? No, not really. I mean, that's my yeah. main one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I've had other little things that you think maybe, but the angel that came as a little boy, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's just so cool. No, that that's it that's for awesome. me. I know. It is awesome in the middle of adversity. How was it walking through your cancer experience? I did want to say that something where God, I feel, shielded my brain on that because like everyone else seemed to be taking it way more seriously than I did. My brother went to every single meeting and Cleveland Clinic is where I was, but it's kind of like I understood, but it's kind of like then where my brain just wasn't going to be sad about it or let it really totally affect me. The only times that it ever really affected me would be like, you have chemo. And then for me, two days, two days of very difficult side effects. You know, and I did, I mean, I lost all my hair and everything. Normally, that would really bother me because I like, I liked my hair. <laughs> I did. I used to wear it kind of like Rachel on Friends, yeah. you know, I liked the hair. Anyway, when it, it, I lost it all, I, it didn't really bother me too much. Like, I couldn't believe it because my friends would always say, like, are you okay about this? And I have all these hats and stuff, you know, but those two days I would just start saying to myself, like, because I I know God put this in my heart. Okay. You only have two days of this, two days. You're okay. Two days. And I, that would just keep coming to my mind, toss and turn. You can't sleep and all these, just the way your whole body felt. It's the weirdest thing. It really is. But during those times, it would just keep coming to my mind. You only have to go through this for two days. Wait till two days. And then two days, boom, I felt fine. And then I would be right back to work. Like I did not miss any work. Well, other than the, the surgery. I mean, I would just, you know, try to miss none because the kids bring joy too, you know? So, so I just have to say God covered me. And I have this, I go to this, um, yoga by Bethany. Bethany, I don't know if you know her, Bethany Meredith. She had a lot of different things in ministry at Greenford Christian Church, but I don't know what church she's at now. But anyhow, she has this beautiful Christian yoga practice. It's like a Bible study, offering our bodies as far as sacrifices, but like offering, like everything we're doing, we're talking about Jesus. Anyway, she came to my house to talk and she said, I'm not even worried about this. She said, 
you're going to have such a testimony when you're done with all this, you know? And I was like, this was right after I found out. I was like, you're right. I know I will. I know God will bring me through it. So I really do feel like it was kind of a breeze through sort of compared to a lot of other people and things like that. When did you find out? And then when were you done with chemo? So I found out in October of 2022, had my surgery in November, had the whole school year and like March done. Like I would have chemo every six weeks or something. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of like, I can't like really recall a lot of it. It's kind of like it happened. And I never said cancer. Like it's hard for me to even kind of say Mm -hmm. it. I was like, okay. I had a tumor, had some stuff in there and they took it out. The chemo was to heal everything. I just feel like, you know. And your hair looks cute. I was going to say, was it, was it always curly or did it come no, back curly? It My mom did the same did thing. She? My mom had breast cancer oh. and she lost her hair after chemo too, but it came back real wavy. And really? Real, yes. yes like, like very this. similar to that. And then, I mean, that's been years. It's straight now again. Is but it? yeah. I'm hoping. <laughs> it look like that. I, yeah. want it, I want it back to be kind of, mine was like wavy, but yeah. it wasn't like this. It's super cute. Like, it's thank you, yeah, but it, it is great. kind of a whole different thing to me. And I'm like, okay, what else can I put on there? <laughs> Another, no, I love it. Something. Thank you. Well, we appreciate you coming in and sharing thank part you. of your story. And it's great to have you at the upper room. Thank you. We're looking forward to getting to know you more in the next several years. Yeah. And thank you because, I mean, I really do feel welcome and home here. I do. You know, whether anymore my family comes or goes, I'm, I believe I'm going to be here. I'm going to try, try to do more things, volunteering and things. But, you know, in the summer, I'm just so, it's so hard for me during this time yeah. period. Yeah. But I'm definitely going to be staying here because I love it. Well, good. Yeah. Glad to yes. have you. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Make sure you tune in next week for another special guest. Bye. Bye. <laughs>